a cozier podcast setup? Just like, I feel like I'm about Welcome to start a seance. Okay, here we go. Hello and welcome to What? It is the edutainment comedy podcast. Each week, a panel of three people compete to present the most fascinating, bestest, and funniest topic that they can. And maybe we'll all learn something along the way. Joining me, as always, is the immaculate swamp witch, Chelsea Harfouche. Chelsea, how are you living? First of all, I don't think I've ever been referred to as immaculate in my entire and, life. And may I also say, how dare you? <laughs> But how many times on the Swamp Witch? Oh, Swamp Witch, like 100%. Like, all the time. For those of you that don't know, my name is Ellie Main. I am a content creator and editor and other filmic-type things here in town. And Chelsea and I are roommates. Oh, my God. And also best friends. Definitely. It's a a beautiful partnership. I think it's a beautiful partnership. And uh, if anybody has a chance to talk to Ellie's mom, just let her know that, you know, relationship's going strong. Uh, We keep telling her that we're not dating, but she's just like, she will not believe it. She's like, and whenever you're ready, I'm going to be right here. (laughs) Only with a British accent. Correct. Uh, Joining us this week is a very good friend of mine and an excellent writer and director. Uh, Please welcome. Is not a friend of mine? Well, I don't know. Depends, <laughs> depends on the day and depends on your attitude. <laughs> Please wow. welcome Drew Saplin. Hello. Drew, what's going on? Bienvenidos. Thank you uh, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. In your cozy ass podcast it's setup. Extremely it's, cozy it's today. It's the week before Halloween. There's a pumpkin on the table. There's mm-hmm. candles lit and it's raining outside. Yeah. I'm a cable knit sweater shy of being asleep. <laughs> a small cat screaming. <laughs> screaming. Just off the moments back. away. <laughs> as, if, as if on cue. Drew, how are you feeling about your topic today? The topic that I brought with me today, uh, not a, a little trepidatious, but I recall being trepidatious the first time. So, very excited. Excited to share it. Film related. Ooh. GT. Shall we begin with our little pre-learning game, which is where we swap the titles of our topics and we have to guess what we think they might be. first my title for today's topic is tempus fugit Ooh. or fuck it i'm not really i don't really know how to latin <laughs> sorry do it again tempus fugit tempura fugit tempus fugit i got it it's a lightly battered storm Ooh. oh my god it's like That's a storm so it's like a whirlwind that you take and you lightly fry as a tempura <laughs> and it's a like a frigate or a, it's a boat lightly it's a, fried boat it's a lightly Tem- fried Tempura frigate. A slightly crispy boat. Yes. Sorry. Tempest Fugit. What is it? Tempest Fugit. So I was going to say, Tempest sounds like twime. Not to brag, but I do have a very rudimentary college level understanding of French. And the word for, uh, the word for time in French is temps, T-E-M-P-S. I know that Latin and French are close. Okay. And then also I'm thinking that the Fugit part has to do with the actor Patrick Fugit. Um... <laughs> So maybe it's about that time. So it's about this time that I met Patrick Fugit. (laughs) The time that you lost your virginity to Patrick Fugit. Oh, so close. I really thought I was probably very close. Mm -hmm. Patrick Fugit was in Almost Famous. Unfamiliar. Well, he's not famous to me because I don't know who the fuck Patrick... Wait, Uh, is he the guy from from Almost Famous? The boy? Is he that guy? And, yes. and, then, and then he's also in, in I'm making this he's yeah, also in Wrist Cutters Wrist Cutters a love story yeah uh, and can I just in, say that as a, as I love Wrist Cutters that ooh. movie is just so I love Wrist Cutters that's gonna be the part that we pull for you for social I love he loves Wrist love Cutters. Cutters oh man I love Wrist Cutters trigger warning I love Wrist you Cutters you would okay I will go next um my title is The Deadliest Disease You've Never Heard Of 
Ooh. Deadliest disease I've never heard of. Is it Ebola? Get out. Is it losing your virginity to that guy? <laughs> yeah. How did you know I was so worried that we had the did same topic? It, it's a disease. <laughs> everyone brought <laughs> everyone brought Patrick Fugit stories. It's oh no, a- oh mine changed. I also lost my virginity. <laughs> God damn it. This is the last guy you'll ever sleep with in Hollywood. God damn it. Uh, oh no. The deadliest disease you've never heard of. What? What? It's difficult Chelsea, to answer because I've what? never... Why would you not call it the deadliest what? catch? Why? Why? The deadliest what? catch. Okay, I'll go next. Mine is... <laughs> it's a trap. It just fell right into it. Big worms. Just big... Big butt big worms. Old. <laughs> big old butt worms. Okay, this is not about your sexual proclivities, Drew. This is about edutainment. Mel- whatever it is. Melty heart. Just melts. <laughs> melts right out melts of you. Melts right in your mouth. Yeah. Wax heart. Wax heart. Oh, I got a case of wax heart. <laughs> All of the above and more, but also none of us are right. Mm. Mm. We'll get there. All right. Drew. Mine's is this story about Patrick Fug- <laughs> Fugitive. It's called the Patrick Fugitive. <laughs> and it's I, the time he stole my heart and ran away. I'm uh, saying, can I tell you that it would be a bold flex to come on this show and just tell the story of the first time you saw wrist cutters on the <laughs> Is that not what I was supposed to do? Is this not the Risk Cutters podcast? Is that the Risk Cutters fan appreciation Ooh, podcast? That's actually next door. It's Ooh, a different shit. Episode. How Mary Poppins helped Star Wars. Ooh. Is it about Mary Poppins and Star Wars? I'm... One of those. I'm gonna guess that it's about practical effects. You're wrong. Is it about... <gasps> Dalsney? Sort of. But not really. Ooh. Is it about money? I watched Mary Poppins quite recently, and there was a shot that you I mean, just you have see. to every week, or you're not British. Correct. It's actually mandated by law. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're an expat, you have to keep that thing topped <laughs> up. Um, there's a shot where you just see the edge of the studio and a bunch of lights. Uh-huh. Whereas, like, I do want you guys to know, so you know how they made that Mary Poppins Returns that, like, nobody saw? Um, I saw it. Thank you, and I cried. Okay. Well, great. So, <laughs> do you know is- the scene where there's, like, a throwaway gag? This is, like, a little mini entertainment. There's a throwaway gag where she's like, bye, guys, and then she falls backward into a bathroom. Correct. And just, like, disappears. Yeah. So, for that one sequence that's like, a oh. second and a half... They built an entire like water slide, so that it, was, it was a practical effect. So she fell through the bathtub, through a water slide, down like 50 feet and into another part of the soundstage. Is it about how Emily Blunt made the new Star Wars trailer? No. I did hear that she cut With her own human hands. I heard that she cut that on GarageBand. No, that's not true. She's smart. I was right there with you guys. I was like, yeah, women in Hollywood love this story. This is great. Emily she Blunt storms in and she movie. goes, guys, let she, me cut that. She says, she says, <laughs> She gets off set. She's like, John, honey, call the agency. Quiet, quiet place too. Why did I almost call it Wild Things too? Wild Things too. Wild Things too. Where the quiet place is. Where the quiet place at? Because <laughs> I want you to know, this entire time I've been staring at a photo of Patrick Fugit on my, on my computer. He's a little butt chin, though. I just want to kiss it. I just want to come on and be like, know just like a little. Like he's gotten sexier over time. He was like not a, sexy and almost famous in a doughy way. In like a doughy. <laughs> he's fun. not doughy. He's doughy like way. he's like squalted. No, I'm, but then like. But I think he's got a little like cookie holder. I think that like if you, you were watching if you were watching a little Netflix with Patrick Fugit, you'd lean on his belly and you'd be like, "Oh, look at that! I'm comfy." I also like how none of us have uh, really landed on a way to pronounce his name. But I, also <laughs> think, day. I do think that this. Uh, uh, Ellie, would you say this mini this mini game is done? I think the mini game is done. Did and I so win? That means who won the mini game? I mean, That's not how that works. Oh. Okay, guys, I think I'm going to go first. I feel good about it. Okay. I feel pretty strong about it. You're in the Amazon rainforest. It's hot and humid, and you're down by the water. You've no real concept that the sun rose earlier, though you watched it. 
You have no way of saying that the sun will set later, though you know that it will. You are a member of the Paraha tribe, a culture with no past or future tenses or numbers in their language. That's hot. <laughs> the tribe have no history or hierarchy and have no concept or ability to communicate, quote-unquote, time. The sun didn't rise earlier and it won't set later. It just does when it does. I'm sorry. This sounds like the most relaxing goddamn place <laughs> yeah. oh, really? in the whole world. I feel world. deeply anxious. Ooh, oh. interesting. When you, hey, when do you want to meet up? We can meet now. <laughs> we meet. Like, we meet. No. Well, when? <laughs> so we're going to say here, it's, it's not so much the case with our society. Time is everywhere. Several people in our culture have attempted to live without constantly measuring time, without much success. Our entire lives are based on it. But I don't want to just talk about this tribe, and I don't want to just talk about time in our culture. What I want to dig into today is the phenomenon of time perspective. Do you remember when a school year felt like a lifetime? When a summer evening lasted forever? Doesn't it feel like the older you get, the faster time starts to really fly? And that's where we get Tempus Fugit, which is Latin for time flies. Do you know what I mean? Patrick flies? Patrick can fly. Okay. Oh my god. I always knew he had powers. Tempest Tempest fly jet. Fugit. What a baby. You have unlocked some sort of like deep anxiety. Oh good. Oh good. Um, Because well, because like you know, I have noticed that about you know, obviously like school years or just like calendar years. Yeah. And I've always chucked it up to like sort of like a, a math. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you think about it, like a fraction, like a pie. So, like when I was eight, a year of my life was an eighth of my life. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm like, mm-hmm, a year of my life is a much smaller fraction of my life. So therefore, mm-hmm. like it doesn't it doesn't go as far, basically. And let me start by saying that that is part of it. Okay. But there is a whole other part that we are only really just discovering. Oh my god! So go. <laughs> I saw a Reddit article about this the other day. Oh really? And, and on White Boy Internet. Sure. And uh, somebody's postulate was that the world ended in 2012. And the reason that time is speeding up. We're dead, you guys. Is that it's all a simulation. We're actually dead. And the simulation's not running very well. Oh, I have heard that. But I also feel like that's like such a deeply navel-gazing type idea. So so somebody experiencing Tempest Fugit and then just being like, you know what? This is a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. Like, that is the most Reddit bullshit. Obviously, the fabric of time has changed because I feel different. Right. Well, Sorry. so we know we have time. We have physical time. The world... Theoretically. Theoretically, there is a dimension of time. Allegedly. Where things decay and the world ticks on and the sun comes up and down and we have to try and figure out what the hell that means and how to measure it. Mm. But also, we have an internal processing human time. And that is all due to, yes, the pie chart that you mentioned before of like, when we're eight, a year is one eighth of our life. And when we're 58, a year is one fifty eighth of our life. And that changes how we think about that. But actually also we have a mental image processing time, which is based on the rapidity of images we take through our eyes. I was learning about this and I was losing my mind. I know. Yeah, I really hate this. (laughs) So each of us has our own mind time unrelated to the passing of hours, days and years on the clock. And that's affected by how much rest we get and a lot of other factors. When we get older, the rate at which uh, our mental images are taken and processed decreases because of several transforming physical features, including vision, brain complexity, and later in life, degradation of the brain, like the way that the brain gets old and starts to break down. 
you are able to take less mental snapshots which translate to memories and therefore your internal perception of time quickens massively. I hate this. I it's, need you to stop. It's like you're reading a nightmare. Yeah, this is so awful. <laughs> okay, well, let me bring it back to some French language to calm you down. Okay. Cicades are unconscious jerk-like eye movements that occur a few times a second. You know how when like something passes that's like, wa- so when someone's walking in front of you, you can track them, but if, if you have to like look without something moving, you have like your eyes just kind of jerk between those things does that make any yeah. sense to you yeah following something moving as opposed to like looking at different things in a line across a room yes yeah so when your eyes jerk like that each one it's kind of think about like an slr camera you're taking a picture with each eye movement and the more of those that you do in a day which is also relevant to things that are new to you the more memories that your brain makes. Oh, so this is why people have a job and they're like, 20 years just flashed right by because you show up to the every same same parking spot, same desk, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're not it's taking snapshots. Without any effort on your part. And so obviously for children who are learning new things, all, everything's new to them, they take thousands of these every day. This blew my mind. So you have a five-year-old. It is the 1st of December and they're like, ah, oh, when is it Christmas? And you say, that's 24 days away. You're a little older, you're 54 years old. To that five-year-old, 24 days is the same as you interpreting one year of your life. Oh my God. I... I'm done. Yeah, nope. like this is like, okay, like we get it, okay? You're the host of the show. You're the really good one. You're breaking my heart. But on the flip side, mm. the positive is that what I'm hearing from you and I don't want any back talk. Sure. Uh, is that if I just look at new things every day, that I'll live forever. I'll get to that point. In doing this research, I learned that children aren't aware of time being a linear passage until they're about five years old. They aren't aware that time is a continuum that never stops until they're around five years old. When they're about three, they learn that, like, I do a thing and that thing causes a reaction. And then that's their only perception of time is, is, is very episodic. And it's not until five they're like, I eat dinner and then I go to bed, then I have a bath and then I go to bed and then I'll wake up tomorrow. That takes five years for us to develop that like awareness. Man, could, you imagine, have it. could you imagine not having that? Just being like, man. I, I live. Know. I am. I, I am. I am B. Well, it's just like that tribe. I am. Dude, that sounds <laughs> pleasant as fuck. So I learned also during researching this that emotions change our internal perspective on time. When we're afraid, time our internal sense of time slows down to allow for necessary survival reactions. Isn't that cool? Well, do you experience internal time slower when you're afraid? But then what is it? What does anxiety make you go faster? No. Here's a quick, cause like, cause if you're an anxious person, does that mean your time is very slow? It, it can do. Sure feels Those like moments it. of like sheer terror. Like it's, it's more kind of like when the amygdala kicks in. So moments that like I am terrified something's going to happen What's right the now. Primal level. The amygdala is the part of the brain that's like the response, kind of instinct to survive. There is good news that in order to, if we're freaking out about time running away from us and us just careering towards a eventual death, if you sleep well and living clean, <laughs> apparent, and you try something new. And or continuously learn new things all the time, you can slow your own internal perception of time and gain more time for yourself. Well, I'm not mm. going to do any of those things, but I am going to look at a lot of new things every day. Sorry to fry your minds. What did I get? Who What's did, my score? Who do you think you are? Scale one to ten. <laughs> Ellie, I think I'm going to have to give that story. It's like what I want to do is give you like ten points for scaring the fuck out of me, mm-hmm. but also like. Take away 10 points for scaring the fuck out of me. But also... Is that net zero? No, but also plus 10 points. 
Because you taught me how to live forever. Ooh. I was frightened and upset by your story, mm-hmm. but was also you. It was also well written and presented. Thank you. Like it was one slide short of like a TED talk, and so I feel oh my like God, thank you. I feel like minus four. I came to a cozy podcast and was introduced to anxiety again, <laughs> and I thought I had left it. Uh huh. So minus four, but then like plus six. Okay. So net. Two? two for me. Okay, great. So I got two for the burrito and two for the... For so the, four all day. Four all day. So all eight day. total plus the other four you had. You're at eight. I'm at eight. You guys think this is an edutainment podcast, but it's actually secretly a basic math podcast, and you guys are going to learn how to do simple arithmetic. You're welcome. <laughs> it's cute. Well done. Oh, I also learned, this is just a little sub-fact after the fact, that apparently if you spend half an hour really reflecting on your day... You'll remember it more. Shut the huh. fuck up. Writing it down and stuff. People who journal are... Yeah. Cowards? No, I mean, <laughs> delightful. Hey, Drew. It's your turn. Okay. How Mary Poppins helped Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Here we go. You're familiar with Mary and how she popped it. Oh, I'm familiar. It's, uh, I believe it's a 19... <laughs> uh, English... Well, shot in California. Mary Poppins is known for the, its practical effects. Name some things you know about Mary Poppins. Dick oh. Van Dyke doing the worst British accent anyone's ever heard of. It wasn't supposed life. to be Julie Andrews. It was supposed to be the bint from, um, you know, the one that all the basic college girls love. Oh, Audrey Hepburn. It was supposed to be her, but she turned it down. Julie Andrews got given it. Obviously, it like launched her career. Side story about uh, Audrey Hepburn. Can't stand, could not stand ice cream. <laughs> and in the opening shot of Breakfast at Tiffany, she's eating a whole ice cream cone and they made her do it a bunch of times. And like, <laughs> I want to say she threw up or something, but yeah, just the most basic white girl story of like, I don't like ice cream. P.L. Travers didn't want it to be made for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then Disney, because there's that whole saving Mrs. Mr. Banks or whatever. Oh. Chelsea, what did you say? Uh, I said the penguin pants. I was just making jokes over here. Penguin pants is what we're talking about today. <gasps> what? Yeah. We're oh talking my about gosh. specifically the 16-minute animated sequence in Mary Poppins. There are a ton of practical effects in Mary Poppins, such as that little bird that lands on her finger during a spoonful of sugar mm-hmm. is a little puppet, and that's a practical effect where it's something that Very lives sweet. in the universe and is a puppet or something that like happens. There's a big slide scene in one scene, and the kids had to get like fitted for like little slide pants so that they wouldn't <laughs> chafe on the way down. And so there are practical effects in that movie, and a lot of stuff was done practically. Mary Poppins returns called back to that with the tub thing that we talked about earlier. Now, visual effects are something that's done in post and doesn't happen on the day. For example, the penguin dance that you were saying had a bunch of penguins in it in the background that were all animated. Clearly, when you're on set, they're so not cute. drawing that at the time that you're there. They have to do it later, right? Uh-huh. So that's the Allegedly. difference between practical <laughs> and visual. Green screen. Do you know what that is? Uh-huh. Great. Green screen is something that you film against when you want to replace the background with something else, but have the foreground element, usually a person, thrown into that world. And it's all done through computers, but not always. Right. So this is 1964 when we couldn't even get a man on the moon yet. So there were no, there was no After Effects. There was no, yet da 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 da. Two options. You do blue screen, which was invented, and we did that in the movie, uh, I believe called The Thief of Baghdad. But it looked like shit. It doesn't like look great. Public access, like gross foamy weird shit at the edges of things like Aladdin's trying to ride on a magic carpet there's all Hell this yeah. like blue fog around him at the at the base of his carpet because it looks like garbage nice. and so and so Walt Disney said hey I'm Walt Disney and uh, two things I'm a perfectionist and I hate the Jews so how do we make <laughs> those are my two things that's my Tinder profile yeah 
Mr. Disney. Uh, so the <laughs> Walt D. His anti-Semitism will put aside for another for a different episode. Mm-hmm. So there's this guy. So now we'll transition to Peter Vlahos. I may be pronouncing that horribly wrong. Uh-huh. And all of all of my info came from Wikipedia and Business Insider. They did a really nice piece about this whole thing. Ooh. Um, and so he invented this process called the sodium vapor process. What? Yes. So. In most cities across America, most of them are replaced by LED lights. But in like small rural towns, when you walk out and there's like big street lamps mm-hmm. and they're like gross and the like yellow light, that is a sodium vapor light. Big, bright, fuckboy light, right? Mm-hmm. What happened was sodium vapor runs at a very specific frequency on the color spectrum. Okay? It's 589 nanometers. Whoa. So... They were doing this big blue screen thing and like fucking around on it. And it's like, this looks like shit. And so uh, Homeboy was like, yo, I have an idea. What if we take a white screen? And everybody's like, go home. He's like, no, no, no. Listen. Uh, <laughs> Get out of here. Let's light it with sodium vapor lights, which runs at eight, 589 meter, nanometers. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a camera. And inside of the camera, I'm going to build a little crystal that separates that specific wavelength of light and pitches it. So remember, this is not before the digital age. This is before TikTok. It had to be shot on film. And so what would happen was the light off of the objects comes into the camera, mm-hmm. hits the prism, and then splits into two images. One, all of the colors of the rainbow except for that specific nanometer. And the other, on black and white film, that specific nanometer. And so it would take a perfect mat of everything that wasn't that exact color. Oh, my God. Now. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. Through a rock? Huh? Like you just threw a, a rock, yeah. Put a rock in there. So this dude, like, a, like you can simplify the story as like super evolutionary monkey, pick up rock, make picture with rock real good, make man dance with make penguin, color picture penguin, make, make make man dance with penguin real nice. That's insane. Uh, so here's the other weird thing, and I'd actually like tried to make a heist movie out of this, but he only got it right once, and it was only in the Mary Poppins camera that he was able to. No. Make the crystal happen. Right, because I'm assuming that there's some like real physics in here in terms of like the shape of the crystal and the angle and like... Basically, Disney was like... Some Indiana Jones well, shit. Ultimately, what it came down to was like Disney was like, well, we have the camp. It works. So like, do we have to make more of them? And he was like, I can try. And they're like, how much is it going to cost? And he was like, it costs this much money. And, he was, and Disney was like, no, we have one. Why do we need another? So... Because uh, you guys said that. Because <laughs> you so, wanted it. Classic studio. So this is so to be clear, Mary Poppins is the only Disney film to be nominated for an Oscar in Walt Disney's lifetime. What? And it won for VFX. Because everyone was like, how you make them penguins though? How'd you dance with them fucking penguins, There was a VFX Academy Awards award back then. Oh, it's yeah. been around since the invention of the Academy, but we can't get stunts in there for some reason, which is fucking bullshit. I always assumed that it was literally just like acetate drawn on. Uh-uh. No, yeah. it was, it's a or mat. Like drawn on and then they took film. the mat, yeah. animated to the strip of film that they had, and then plopped it on top. So the coolest part, when you go watch this, cool. if you watch the little penguin dance, or the whole 16-minute sequence inside of Mary Poppins, she's wearing the worst piece of outfit that you could ever she's wear. She's wearing the big dress with the hat. What's it's white, what, right? What's the hat, though? It's fucking, like... It's a veil. Big. It's a oh, it's a it's a see-through, semi-transparent fucking veil, and it looks fucking fire on camera. Like it is just like the cartoon is happening through her veil. It is insane. Oh. Yeah. Oh, because it's that perfect and precise. It's, it's just, the light. just that light. It's- Hitchcock grabbed it to do the birds with. Pete's dragon was shot on it, 
And then, the so, same camera. Here, the one camera. Gets, the one where, camera that they have. Here's where it gets gray for me. Okay. Because they said they only had one camera, and then they started listing movies that were like also utilize the sodium vapor process. Uh-huh. But I don't they may have like shambled together another camera. Or maybe there's a way to do it without the crystal. There's not a way to do it without the crystal. Which so here's the thing. Here's why I was like, hey, can we call this Mary Poppins camera, the legend of the crystal? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is here's why I wanted to make a heist movie out of it because it's like a, a valuable rock inside of this fucking camera, and there's only one of them in the world. Like it's the most precious. It's a precious. It has to be a precious stone because it only works one way. What kind what of a, like serendipitous bullshit? What kind of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious bullshit <laughs> is this camera? Right? So, yes. I, it does I, sound like demons. Two, two things. A, yes, definitely want to steal it. Just, But also just want to know where it is. Because I looked. I was like, what, is there a is Mary Poppins museum? museum? Is there the San Because, like, Disney has this, like, small off-the-grid museum in San Francisco. Wherever Walt Disney is. like where, Wherever Walt Disney's frozen, frozen head is. holding just, it. Yeah, just, like, has the crystal in his mouth. It's just, <laughs> Can we when, make an Indiana Jones movie where it's like we you, have to replace it with something? When real you quick? grab the when you grab the crystal, the the boulder that rolls after you is just Mickey Mouse's fucking head. Uh-huh. Oh god, yeah. absolutely! Oh not. boy, oh boy, I'm gonna get you. Here, here I come. Uh, the process, the sodium vapor process, was used up until the I believe 1992 film Dick Fucking Tracy. What? It was, they used it in Dick Tracy. That movie sucks. What happened to the camera that it now no, no longer is used? I don't... Well, I mean, was we have... Stolen? No, we just have green screen. Like, oh, right. 1992 was Dick sense. Tracy. 1993 was Jurassic Park. But this Park. is better than green screen. <laughs> it's not. It's uh. not better than green screen. It's just... A, well, I don't know. It's you, just, you've said yourself you've never tried to use green screen. I've used green screen before. I just hand my footage away and then it comes back, like, beautiful. Exactly. I just hand it, yeah. you never tried I to ship it away. So and it's it not back. better than computer generation, but it's amazing in its, like, for like physical... The, for, like, the fact that we didn't have those the, your things... Manipulating light within a machine. In, uh, that blows my mind. Separating out the light spectrum means that you had an absolutely perfect cutout. Like, every single hair, like you said, every single little diamond within the semi-transparent veil, everything is perfectly cut out just automatically because of the special crystal. In 19... In 19 baby old time. Yeah. In 19 baby boomers. Mary Poppins paved the way for the modern green screen, which Star Wars then utilized extensively. Drew? (laughs) I'm going to give that five points for being PG. Uh, or hey. Oh. I mean, I did some... For being wholesome. I did some cussing. No, I, I mean like it was Mary Poppins and it was sure. like a wholesome story. Uh, for being wholesome. Uh, but I am going to do minus one point for demons because like that crystal's definitely demons. Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy definitely like Alistair Crowley is right. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, Drew, I'm going to give you eight points because it's my favorite movie. Is it really your favorite movie? It is. I just love it. Never finished it. Oh, I'm going to give you minus four points for that. So that's so four. That was really the wrong thing to nine. say in the middle of grading. Oh, no, I gave you eight and, and minus four. Yeah. Four and five is nine. And then I got the um, four, so I'm 13. Nice. And I'm going to give you an extra point for it being um, on theme with your vocation that I named you, that I named earlier. So thanks. I did it. Enjoyed that. Thank you. Aww. Back to deadly diseases. Yeah. So. That you never knew. I do have a feeling that you guys have never heard of this disease. Have you guys ever heard of Syndrome K? No. It sounds like a tornado. 
<laughs> the drum case sounds like uh, ICP. It really peak. does not sound like it a does. drum case. I'm so sorry, Drew, but I have to address this. The drum case has been ripping up Dallas recently. You know, they just call them like... It sounds like an ICP cover band. Well, you guys are going to feel really bad about yourselves. Cool. Um, is it only... light is something it, as it, serious is, as Syndrome K. Does the K stand for kids? <laughs> <laughs> syndrome kids. Syndrome kids. Actually, I'm turning this into a, like an anti-breeder podcast. Oh. And I'm like, Syndrome K is kids. And you're all infected. No. Syndrome K is the deadliest disease that you've never heard of. It's a highly contagious disease. It's fucking disgusting. And just to give you an idea of how contagious it is. I come into y'all's home. <laughs> you make me anxious about time and then just deadly oh, shit that I didn't know about. for how fucked up this disease is. This is the worst, coziest place I've ever been in my life. I love it. In order for you to, like, first of all, understand how contagious this D- deadly, disfiguring diseases. Mm. I need to talk to you about something called an R naught. Have you ever heard of the R naught? Sounds like a Pokemon. A po- Did you say you call Pokemon it a po- or Pokemon? <laughs> it sounds like a Pokemon. Pokemon. A Pokemon. The Pokemon. Pokemon sounds like the the subreddit for like when you anonymously talk about Pokemon. Pokemon. Oh, right. No, Pokemon. is the subreddit for people who are addicted to Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon? Yeah, I gotta go to Pokemon. I've got my Pokemon chip. Okay. I've been, I've been, I've been Pokemon sober for three months. You guys are being very glib about something that's very serious. My name's Ellie and I am a Pokemon. So an R-naught. An R-naught is the rate at which a disease spreads amongst the population. So basically the way that you can imagine an R-naught number is whatever number comes after the R. What? Do you have this disease? R-naught. R-naught. That's exactly what I was thinking. You guys are literally going to hell for this. This is so serious. You have it? R-naught. Okay. Okay, so just to dive right in. uh, AIDS has an R naught of seven. So the way that this works is, um, whatever the number is, that is how many, if you have it, so like Ellie, if you had AIDS, your R naught of seven would be that you would probably infect around seven people in your life. Okay. Now I do believe that, so I wanna say for HIV and AIDS because I am somebody who actually does work really hard in my personal life to try to combat the stigma around HIV and AIDS, um, that number is definitely skewed in because of like developing countries sure. where they don't have access to proper uh, contraception. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but uh, the flu has an R naught of two. So for every person that has the flu, I'm sorry. the flu has an R naught of two, but AIDS has an R naught of seven. Yes, because but of the again, countries. It's skewed. No, that's just an insane fucking skew, dude. Like yeah. that's nuts. That just made me realize how privileged, like just the amount of privilege that we have is. America, oh, yeah. like where it's like, oh, yeah. oh totally. one out of two. You're almost like, certainly not going to get I'm it. Da- I'm, I'm probably well, going to get the flu this year, but I'm probably not going to get whatever. And again, yeah. like even that flu number of two is skewed by, um, like, for example, like the 1918 influenza outbreak sure. that, you know what I mean? So like you, the, in, uh, the R naught of flu, like in 2019 is probably lower because if you have an R naught of less than one, like if you have an R naught of 0.25 or whatever, it's going to die out in a specific period of time. Mm-hmm. It's not going to spread to the entire population. Also, right? if, you, if you told me that R naughts were a nautical theme, like a nautical thing, again, I would so fucking glib about so serious. 100% believe you. No, so, it's, just a, it's a unit of measurement. It's just how not, infectious, yeah, how infectious yeah. you are, but like, okay. how many how many R naughts are we going right now? We're going ten R naughts. <laughs> so it's the reverse. So it's a boat going in reverse. <laughs> I'm trying to give you guys like a frame of reference here okay. for syndrome K. I'm sorry, we're trying to make it flu R naught of two measles. Uh, back before we had our vaccinations, R naught of twelve. Mm. Syndrome K. Yeah. R naught of fifteen. So we're talking like you are in the room with somebody with syndrome K and you have a high chance of getting it. Highly, highly infectious. Uh, 
often deadly, if not deadly, much like smallpox back in the day, leave you horribly disfigured on your face. Uh, spreads throughout your entire body. You have multi-system organ failure. Oof. It's horrible. Donde? Quando? Why? Where is this? Why is it happening? Well, so here's the one lucky thing. Uh, there have not been any reported cases of syndrome case since 1945. Oh, thank goodness. What? Do I know why? Why? Oh, no. Because syndrome K does not exist. What? Syndrome K was invented <gasps> to save the Jews during World War II. Oh. What? So, no, this is incredible. So, um, you know how uh, in World War II, aka the war that everybody feels good talking about now because we've had all these bad wars ever since, but that was a good war. Uh, we had the Allies, which was like the United States, Britain, congratulations, Ellie. Thank you. Um, and some other people. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had the Axis, which was bad, and that was uh, Germany, Japan, also, Italy. Also, what, what, what did the Axis powers call themselves? Were they, uh, the good guys. <laughs> yeah, because like the Allies were like, we're the Allies and we're best friends forever and dream team. And then the Axis powers were like, we don't like that. We're right? the Axis of power. Yeah. I think, yeah, we're the Axis on which the world's going to tilt because we're going to make it better. I big, don't know. But big anyway. fun. Big fun. <laughs> Happy, happy team. My, name, my name's Mussolini, so, and I'm big So fun. back to the extermination of the Jews. <laughs> sure. Okay. okay. Italy was one of the powers, right? And, uh, yeah. No, big gross. fun. Lame. And uh, while like they were sides. out, like, fucking, you know, fucking up Poland, fucking up Greece, fucking the fuck out of France. And each other. Bombing but, you. But the trains did run on time. <laughs> oh, God. So they say. Oh, Jesus. So then finally in 1943... Uh, Hitler and the Germans were like, hey, Italy, you probably have some Jews in your country, right? And Italy was Not like... Not the single Jew. Can you, can you please... Was like, oh, I was really hoping you weren't going to bring that up. And Chelsea. Like, no, I think we're going to go. I need you to do that whole thing again with a German accent. <laughs> Yo, you got the Jews. I can't. I'm so sorry. I cannot. I don't even understand that uh, say, accent. Uh, say, Italy, would you happen to have any, I don't know, Jews? Yeah, and then they were like, "Oh goddamn!" So then, hey, uh, so then no. Germany started going in, <laughs> but there was see. this really, there was this really cool doctor named Doctor Adriano Ossesini, and he was a, a militant anti-fascist. Inside of his hospital, he already mm. ran like a free radio, an underground pirate radio that was like "fuck the fascists," and so he was like, "Oh hell no!" So he instructed everybody uh. in his hospital. That um, that there was going to be this new outbreak of this really deadly disease because it was kind of like a rural hospital. So they were like, the Nazis won't know, and they'll be like, oh my god, we have this deadly. You guys didn't hear? We have this deadly disease. It's called Syndrome K. Like you can't even get close to these guys. They're like, oh, you want to put these guys on a train with you? I mean, that's your funeral if that's what you want to do. But like, you guys are welcome to have like a you know three week train Genius. ride back to back to Austria with all of our syndrome K patients. So whenever a Jew would come to them or they knew somebody in their community, they'd be like, come to the hospital and they would admit them. And then under the papers, they would write syndrome K. And the reason that it was important to have a fake syndrome and not just say, oh, well, this person has tuberculosis or whatever, mm -hmm. is that that's how they kept them away from all the sick people. So because if they had just lied, then there surely would have been somebody on duty who wasn't part of the whole thing. So they had to actually manufacture this entire illness in an entire, like, faux regimen and they wow. kept these people in um essentially in isolation for the entire time of the occupation to keep them safe and whenever the nazis would come because as obviously they, they love to do tours yeah, they, they come they love to tour. yeah they love hello we are here for blitzkrieg oh, what a lovely space you oh have. can we a hospital it's so, so nice it's so, so nice, nice. Uh, maybe have we will bomb here and here 
Anyway, so four or five thousand. This bit will be my house. Well, this, this <laughs> um, so, yeah, we that was so sorry, good. guys. We were great, and it was beautiful. Um, so anyway, every time they would come in, then all of the nurses would run through the hospital and be like, "Oh my god, the Nazis are coming!" Yeah, like this, and they would um, and they would instruct everybody to start, start acting like balls out sick, and people would be like, like. Like banging on the doors of the isolation rooms, yes. like coughing and screaming, and like the Nazis were just like, not fucking worth it. Like I'm not doing this. And here is my favorite part of the story. So not only were they able to save these Jews, like it was successful. Yeah. Um, but the reason that it was called Syndrome K was K stood for Kesselring, who was the German field marshal in charge of. <gasps> Round uh, of, of rounding up all the Jewish people and sending them to Austria. So they named it after him as a big fuck you, dude. That's so and they were able good. To save them. Delight. So here's the question. That so you we, can't get syndrome. Here's, but here's the question we don't have the answer to that I really want. Sure. How many Germans encountered a Jew with syndrome K and then went home thinking that they had Ooh. syndrome K? Oh. Like how many nights were spent being like, I have it. I have the syndrome. I hope they sat in their, I hope they sat awake in their little cots. Greta, Greta please come in here. Existential do I have terror. a do I have a temperature? Please check. <laughs> no, I must I be see, apart from you. I, I am rigid. I, I must I, I must sleep. I must sleep in the loft tonight. I'm I so hope sorry. They, I hope they coughed and they shot themselves. I have syndrome came all up of my oh, left leg. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Your left leg is infected. It's so so much syndrome does K. This, I'm riddled with it. Does this look like syndrome K to you? That I would have I been have a it. really fun. Can I tell you that would have been like a like if we wanted to make our own inglorious bastards version of this story, yeah. so we could take it one step further. And then the doctor's like, "Oh, you, oh, you're showing syndrome K. You have to come into the surgical wing immediately. Let me cut your arm off. It's oh. the only way. It's the only way to save you. Oh. It's the only way to save you no, from you this terrible disease is I must I must yeah, castrate you. We must amputate you." At both like your knees. Like, like, like all of those zombie oh, movies where it's like, we gotta get it before it spreads. Quick, someone write that oh, down. Somebody write this screenplay, and by somebody I mean me. Gotta go. TM, TM, TM. TM, TM, TM. <laughs> it's our TM. So that is the fun strange Chelsea. saga. Oh, oh I'm bloody. gonna give you, I'm gonna give you seven points off the bat just for the twist. I oh, thought I was gonna get a disease. And then I realized that it was a big F you to the Nazis. Are Man. you are you cladding me? I do love first of all, I love to clit you. Don't tell Laura Main. Second of all <laughs> second of all, I do love to say fuck you to the Nazis, so we're good. I'm also gonna give you an extra three points for saying fuck you to the Nazis. Ten but points? I'm gonna give you minus two for aggression because there are points where I was just trying to have fun and you yelled at me. That's also true. true. That's true. I will take that. So that was thirteen minus two. So that's twelve. Yeah. That's 12. I'm gonna say like four. Wow. I'm going to give you like a solid four, no docs. Well, mm, let's go five. And then okay. one for And then minus one because you were a bit of a butthole when we were trying to have a good laugh. But a disease didn't even exist. You can say it like, yeah. you're going to be Oh, you guys are going to be, oh, day. it's a disease. Yeah, you guys no. are so rude. Yeah. And it wasn't well, even I'm sorry that I take uh, I well, take what happened to the Jewish people. Oh, you take your you I'm take so- your narrative deception so seriously. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I showed up to your comedy edutainment podcast with jokes. <laughs> No, you guys did an amazing job. I think you know what? I think we were just riffing. Yeah, and, but I will take that doc. I Has will anyone take that been doc. writing down the points? I think I won. Okay, y'all have such so many poor man toes on the poor man. Mm. Y'all squish your words together a lot on this show, and I like it. Oh, Drew, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Also, he lives at eleven seventy one. Exactly. You can come to my home, and I'll entertain you for the evening. I'll oh. open a bottle of white. 
I believe I'm Drew Saplin on Twitter and D Saplin on Instagram. So come at me, bro. And as always, you can find me at Ellie Maney on Twitter and Ellie Main on Instagram. There's a bot taking my Twitter, and I'm, I report them as, as as much as I can. I'm Chelsea Harfouche on pretty much every platform, which is pro because it's all the same, but con because it's ethnic and hard to spell. So have fun. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod on both Twitter and Instagram. That's W-U-T-P-O-D, WhatPod, on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be putting up fun stuff and like little in-jokes from this episode that like only you will get. So please follow us and tell your friends about us. Uh, We're going to be having a lot of fun here at this podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you guys for listening to the wrist... What is it called? The wrist wrist cutters podcast? Yeah. Oh, from the Patrick (laughs) Fugit chat. Thank you for checking out the Patrick (laughs) Fugit fan club podcast. And we will see you next time. And hey, maybe... Go learn something. Wow.